Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Telling everybody everything. No, I don't have any comment on the debates. That's the big story of the week. Not on my watch. Uh-uh. It's all lies and trash. Same with this country. Oh, you better download the NHS COVID-19 app, which is in no way affiliated with the NHS and is run by a private company. And we can't use your NHS code to even put into the app to say if you've had... Look, maybe they're telling the truth sometimes. But the old saying goes, the boy who cries wolf, he lies about there being a wolf. And then one day when the wolf comes, the villagers don't believe him and all the sheep get eaten. Is that the story? That's how I remember it. How come these men, and I mean men, can lie and lie and lie and lie, and there's no accountability, and then they're surprised when we don't believe them? I don't believe them. They've never shown any interest in keeping me alive. I'm talking a bit funny because my lip is swollen. I don't know why. It looks cute, though. I have celiac disease, I think. I found... All right. The long story short is, I've had autoimmune in my family for a long time. My little sister had celiac as a baby, which is a gluten intolerance. It's not really an allergy. It's an autoimmune response that manifests itself usually as a gluten intolerance. And you might have heard the word celiac if you're not celiac yourself. In this country, you add an O to the spelling. Nobody knows why. Do you pronounce it Michaela Cole or Michaela Seal? Anyway. My sister had celiac disease when she was a baby. It was undiagnosed for a really long time. She was my mother's third baby. And the doctors would just be like, oh, are you a new mom? It's your first baby. And my mom was like, it's my third. Something's wrong with her. And so at 11 months, my sister weighed the same as she weighed at four months because she kept ingesting pablum at the time or like little arrowroot cookies for teething. And that was destroying her villi in the small intestine in the gut, and so she wasn't absorbing any food. That's how it works. Most people with celiac, they'll have a rash response. They might get sores in their mouth. And the big headline symptom is they shit themselves 24-7 if they come into any contact with gluten. I don't have those symptoms. I'm asymptomatic. I just don't eat bread. I don't like bread. My body my whole life has just been like, oh, what's that? And this includes pasta, pizza, Donuts, cakes, muffins, crackers. I can tell like certain crisps. I'm like, eh, eh, bread. And I can't explain why, but my body just isn't into it. 
I would shun it until Bobby K, the love of my life, moved in and he really loves gluten. He loves pizza and bread and really loves making pasta. He lived in Italy playing football for a while, so he's really good at making pasta. And I did learn to like his spaghetti bolognese and I was eating it from time to time. Still nothing happened to me. This is where, you know, I'm not really on the path of celiac. So I know I have lupus and that is also an autoimmune disease. When you have one autoimmune disease, they usually come together. You'll be expected to have like a thyroid autoimmune thing or like Shrogdens or something else. You'll have some autoimmune problems. You can expect that. But curiously, I don't really have symptoms for lupus either. I did in 2008 when I was diagnosed and then I've pretty much been smooth sailing from here on in. I'm very lucky. I attribute that to eating pretty clean and living a stress-free life. Stress is a huge autoimmune trigger. And I've talked about stress before. Stress will kill you. We know this if you are a listener of the Telling Everybody Everything Tea podcast. So I test positive all the time for lupus antibodies and around you know, the miscarriage, whatever. I started to think, oh God, maybe it's an autoimmune thing. Maybe it's me. I think loads of things run through your mind when that happens. Usually at my age, it'll be just not viable. It had nothing to do with me, but I decided to embark upon this huge investigation because I'm kind of a crazy person. So I look at my blood and I went to a new immunologist who's like, yep, you have really high lupus antibodies in this area, but not in that area. And also I tested positive for celiac antibodies. I was like, what? Aha, I've been celiac my whole life. And let me tell you, the celiac community, oh, this is probably the most controversial thing that I will say on the podcast and the most heartless attack of a group of really individuals who are already in a tough spot with their autoimmune disease, but celiacs that I have encountered are the biggest drips that I've ever known. Oh my God. I tweeted, oh, guess what? I've had celiac all this time, but I hate bread. So I never knew. And you would not believe the reading comprehension issues that come along with celiac because left and right, I had people recommending to me gluten-free restaurants, gluten-free bread, some pizza I could try. I'm like, no bitch, I hate pizza. And they're like, yeah, but I know a really good gluten-free one. Oh, really? Does it taste like pizza? Because if it does, I will hate it. And then so many people piling in being like, oh, well, Catherine's certainly going to receive a shock when she realizes gluten is in everything. No, it's not. Oh, you have to download an app and then scan the barcode of every single thing you eat to find out if there's hidden gluten. I agree that there's a lot of packaged food lately and bread is ubiquitous. This is part of my problem with bread. Anytime I'm on a train, anywhere I go, plane, dressing room, have a croissant, have a biscuit. That is annoying. But I feel now like my mission in life is to explode the celiac world and introduce them to the really delicious way of life that kind of naturally avoids gluten anyway. And I know there's a wealth issue where not everyone can afford fresh fruit and vegetable and that kind of thing. I totally, totally get that. But rice is like two cents a serving. We all just need to go Asian. We all need to just realize with celiac, okay, they don't often add it to curries and stuff. It's definitely never in bread. Sure, you're not going to be able to have any naan or papadam or anything else, but you can have sushi and you can have like nice protein and rice and vegetables and I'm, you know, cookbook. That's what's coming out. Catherine Ryan telling everybody everything about 1988 
celiac boom in Sarnia, Ontario, because we didn't have any packaged food. And certainly there was no gluten-free bread or packaged biscuits or anything. And we figured it out. Why? See, if you play your life backwards, it makes sense. I figured it out then so that I could communicate it to everyone now. And I know that a diagnosis is really inconvenient for people and really painful and scary for people if it's your child or maybe you've lived your whole life and you didn't know you're going to have some anger attached to that. Like, why me? Why do I have this? I love eating flan. You know, I don't know what's going on with you, but I promise that if you just get in your head somehow that all that stuff is not food and then stop trying to find expensive gluten-free versions of it, there's all this food over here that is naturally gluten-free and it's so good. But I promise you not to minimalize a quite serious illness. And please remember, I'll reiterate now, my sister could have died of celiac if it remained undiagnosed. You're not supposed to lose that much weight when you're a baby. It was very scary for our whole family. But it's like, if something made me shit myself once, I don't think I'd be going back to it. I don't think I'd be like, oh, you know, I'll just cheat this one time and have this pizza party. You're going to shit yourself at the pizza party. I don't know why. I don't know. It's hard to make mental connections, but I would have a lot of anger attached to that food. And if someone was like, try this pizza, I promise it's gluten-free. I wouldn't trust them. I'd be like, you know what? If it walks like a pizza, talks like a pizza, looks like a pizza, smells like a pizza, I'm out. One thing that helped my sister avoid gluten and helped her to feel less deprived, I think, is that my mom made the whole house pretty much gluten-free. We just didn't have it. None of us had it. And that's the way you raise your kids. One of you is allergic to it. None of you are having it. That's the way I raise my dogs. One of you pees on the carpet. You're all in your crates. I don't know who it was. I'm punishing all of you. And I think if you have someone in your family with celiac, punish the whole family. And you will see that it's just easier for them. And I sound really mean. I know that. I mean, I'm half joking. I think celiac is terrible. Obviously, I've watched my sister suffer with it. And I'm not excited about my own diagnosis, but also I don't believe my own diagnosis. I have celiac antibodies. I have lupus antibodies. If you really want to know the truth, I don't believe I have either of those named autoimmune conditions. I think I have something else. I think autoimmune is very sneaky and it slithers around and I will get to the bottom of it. 2020, I got nothing else to do. So a lot of you who have gluten intolerance symptoms, you could have something else too. I think they have names for things, but they don't really know exactly what we've got. We're just special. You're special. And I will fix this for all of us. Take it or leave it. I'm not going to go into it any further on this podcast. Fecal transplant. You heard correctly, but I can't go into it. I really can't. I've said too much already. But please don't be mad at me. I do want to make you better as much as I want to make the world a better place. And I can be an asshole, but you want an asshole on your team. We know your own asshole isn't on your team. So take me. The UK comedy circuit are not happy right now. And I'll tell you that I understand the circuit has been utterly decimated. There are no gigs for anyone. I mean, there are live gigs coming back, but audiences still feel a bit nervous to attend, I think. And even if they do attend, the chairs are all spaced out for safe social distancing. These gigs are safe, but it means that you sell fewer tickets and you can only put on shows to a certain number of people unless you do a comedy show at a funeral. 
and then you can have a bit more. I don't know. I don't know. The rules keep changing every day, but I know that a lot of comedians depend on the circuit for their livelihood. I am in a very privileged position that I can talk to you from this podcast. I've got different projects going on, but I was starting out just like everyone else. And I lived off nothing but live comedy for a really long time. It's very, very important that you support live comedy when you see that there are gigs because there are right near where you live. However, Stand Up to Cancer and Channel 4 are doing this fundraiser where celebrities are mentored by some top comedians and they put together a set and they do live comedy. This is, of course, to raise money for a very important charity, Stand Up to Cancer, even while COVID is rife. Well, I mean, it's not exactly rife anymore by the looks of things, but, you know, it's happening Cancer is still a big issue. I was reading the other day that a million breast cancer screenings have been missed now because of this. Uh, Don't get me started on how important regular screening is um, and the amount of really necessary health checks that are being missed for all of this and more. But comics aren't happy. I'm seeing a lot of tweets, seeing a lot of Instagram. I'm hearing a lot of whispering. Comedians are like, thanks a lot, Channel 4. You won't give me work on your station, your station, your radio radio program, your network, your channel, but you want to pay comedians to mentor Vicki Pattinson to learn how to do stand-up, Roman Kemp to learn how to do stand-up. And I don't like to go against my community because I understand how they feel. But equally, why do we care? If Vicki Pattinson wants to try stand-up, Surely she has an audience that we don't have. She has a whole Geordie Shore reality TV, loose women, I'm a celebrity audience that is, whether you like it or not, wider than most stand-up comedy audiences. And they might see her do it and think, oh, that was cool. That was funny. Maybe I'd like to watch some other stand-up comedians. Or maybe I didn't think I was someone who liked comedy or I didn't think women were funny. And we know Vicky's very funny. So if she can put together a set and deliver it well for charity, by the way. Like, why are we taking issue with raising money for Stand Up to Cancer at all? There is a fee involved, but a lot of people who take a charity fee don't actually keep it. They donate it back to the charity or when it comes to signing in the contract, they refuse the fee. I know most of us do that. I do that. I don't think that these celebrities are going to quit their day jobs that are very fruitful, by the way, and be like, no, what I'm going to do is drive up and down the M25 every weekend for 20 quid, maybe in a pandemic when there are no gigs to do and further my career as a stand-up. I understand both sides. I really do. And Jonathan Ross is doing an incredible new show on ITV. He's doing Jonathan Ross's Comedy Club and giving TV gigs to circuit comedians who don't have work right now. And I think I'm on this Saturday. This is not meant to be a promo for me. It was new material. I mean, turn it off when I go on because I wrote the material that day and I just don't, I haven't been on stage in a long time. So (laughs) I was not great, but I got to see Huge Davies and some incredible comedians, Rosie Jones, you see a lot on TV, but there were also some new ones that I got to see for the first time and they'll be on there. So, you know, let's not get upset about this stand up to cancer thing. I think sometimes when you're angry about one thing, you're actually hurt about something else. And we're all hurt by the pandemic. So if you want to heal comedians, (laughs) go to their gigs. Actually, I wonder whether Bobby Kay and I could put on gigs in our garden. And of course, I'm talking about the British singer-songwriter from Peckham. No, I mean, like, could we do that? Because we have a big garden. We've moved to the country. 
we could do the way Dave Chappelle does, set up a stage, do chairs apart. I've seen Whitney Cummings doing that in her garden too. Is this being broadcast anywhere? I'm sure that my contribution to the circuit, because I do miss being part of it, and I don't see anyone anymore. I don't even think I have any friends anymore. I could do it, pay for it, film it, and then stream it. There's nothing stopping me doing that. Hmm, if you would like to see that, and no, I'm not going to give you my address and you can't come. Actually, maybe a treasured few people I will give my address to. But maybe I could get a broadcaster to do that even. Yeah, 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 yeah. Leave it with me. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Time now for your emails. And this first one is from an Australian lady. I've been with my boyfriend for about a year and a half. I love him. I know that he's the one for me. She's 21. <laughs> no, that's not nice to laugh. Okay, you know he's the one for you and maybe you're right. I, okay. He's endlessly supportive, kind, and my best friend. We're the same age, so that means we still have a lot of growing up and learning to do, but I'm glad we get to do it together. Here's the problem. I don't like conflict or yelling or banging right? I'm not very good at dealing with anger, be it my own or someone else's. It's just an exhausting and pointless emotion that I just try to stay away from altogether. This is mad. And let me tell you why, because I was just talking to Pam about how I'm not angry. I never feel anger. I don't see the point. And she said, I'm trying to remember exactly what she said. I don't get angry with people, but if I feel any contempt for someone, I get angry with myself. And that's because... I don't know how to deal with anger. I don't like it. I don't see the point like you. But imagine a child came up to you and a child was angry or sad or any emotion. And you were like, well, that's exhausting. It's pointless. I'm going to stay away from this. You're not honoring or effectively dealing with that emotion because you think it's silly. You know what I mean? Anger is valid. And you need to stand in your anger and work through it, not push it away. And if you want more information on this, get an actual therapist. But yeah, I think you and I are a lot alike. I just don't have time for anger, but anger sometimes has to demand my attention and be dealt with in a healthier way. Okay, so your boyfriend has five siblings and half of them are boys. So there's a lot of normalized, loud, masculine energy in his household. Well, that use of masculine is problematic because why do we associate noise and anger with a masculine energy? I know what you mean. You mean a traditionally recognized, stereotypical, 
masculine energy, but did we grow up in the same household? (laughs) I didn't grow up in a place where anger was an open emotion. Of course not. My parents obviously got angry with us when telling us off, but other than that, they were never angry in front of us. He gets road rage over every terrible driver. And while I understand how frustrating it must be, the way I think about it is it's easier to change your attitude than the driving of other people. The road is full of almost accidents. If you're a good driver and do the right thing, there's no accident, so be annoyed, but let it go. We both express our frustration completely differently. I'll get upset for a bit, then ask myself, is this something I have control over? If not, there's no point in being upset. Just find another way around it. Otherwise, who are you mad at? The universe? He, on the other hand, will get angry for about 20 minutes. He'll punch an available surface, swear under his breath, And if it's losing an assignment on word, he'll scream into his pillow. Eventually, he loses his energy and is no longer frustrated. It's quite distressing to watch, and I never know what to say when he gets like that. Touching him and holding him helps ground him, but I'm not always there in person. I don't like this. You know what I'm going to say. You are not the one responsible for fixing this man. It's nice that you have empathy and you say, we're both growing, but is he showing you the same regard for a behavior that routinely makes him feel distressed. You use words like distressed. His behavior is distressing to you. And you can love someone who's bad for you and move on. Um, I know you don't want to move on. If you want to talk to him about it, good. Assert yourself at a time that he's calm. Don't do it when he's angry. And I wouldn't label it like you have anger issues. I would just say, Last night, when you threw your laptop out the window, I felt very scared and unsafe and traumatized, and you must find a different way of dealing with your anger because otherwise you know you're causing me distress now and you don't care. If I was doing something that caused my partner actual distress, then I would work on stopping it. And you have all this empathy and patience for him. Oh, well, he's 21. He's growing. Well... Uh, how long are you going to wait around for someone to grow? This is your life right now. And the truth is, baby cakes, it might get worse before it gets better. You don't know yet. There are enough documentaries on Netflix about women getting murdered that I just wouldn't take the chance. Grow up. Stop freaking out and punching walls because that's ridiculous behavior. Or I'm going to find a new soulmate. You go on to say in your letter some absolute nonsense, like you feel guilty and you adore him, but it's just this one frustrating behavior and you alter your behavior to fit around his anger. You don't call him when he has assignments. You try to stay out of the way. Listen to yourself because sometimes it's hard when you're right in the middle. This is not right. You need to assert yourself. And imagine for a second that he was writing me this letter. Oh, you know, my girlfriend smashes things and screams like a baby. And I I feel really guilty and bad. I love her so much. You would change immediately. He's not 12. He's 21. It's his responsibility, not yours, to change. And if he doesn't change, he's going to lose you at no personal expense to you. There are plenty of men out there who aren't angry. And I didn't know that for a lot of my life, actually. And I know it now. Here's another one, and just to warn you, Megan is in the room, so she might be snoring. Megan. Catherine, I've been with my boyfriend for four years now, and for the past two or three years, we've been living with his parents whilst my boyfriend was finishing his degree and trying to save some money. No, no, no. I'm a primary school teacher and now work in the same school as my mother-in-law. 
who's a very highly respected member of the team. She's been there for over 20 years. I'm super lucky to have the positive and easy relationship with my in-laws that I do. There's a but. But, I knew it. My boyfriend and I have been looking for a new place to live and have also been planning a proposal. You've been planning a proposal together. Isn't that the proposal? Just get married. You don't need to plan to be asked or to ask him. It's uh, people, I just, I don't participate in culture. I just don't get normal stuff, but I, I wish you all the happiness. All right. Something we've spoken openly about over the past six months and would like to finalize once we've moved out of the in-laws. However, this week, his mom very openly and in quite a frustrated manner explains that she disagrees that we should even consider getting married because she doesn't believe in it at all. She's been married twice and is still married to her husband, who is my boyfriend's dad. Now, this took me by surprise. Not only the notion of it, but the way she expressed her utmost hatred of the idea. What on earth do I do? I mean, number one, you need to live with this man without his mommy around because she's a primary school teacher. She knows how to look after a toddler. She likes having your boyfriend in her home. And now it sounds like she's getting her back up because you're threatening that. I am a huge advocate for living in sin. Live in sin. Live in as much sin as you can before you sign a legally binding contract to be with someone and split your assets for life. And then... God forbid. I mean, it all goes wrong and you haven't even lived with them. You've not, you've lived with the family. You've been living with his parents, probably looking after him. I'd be very interested to hear who does the cooking and cleaning and what his mother's role is in the house. I think it's too soon to get married. I really think, yes, living in London is expensive, but you've got to move out, get into some type of studio flat, come out of London a bit and take the train in. I don't know what you have to do, but you need to see this man away from his mom because. She seems like she likes you. You work together. You seem really close. Maybe, just maybe, this woman is protecting you. Be vigilant, and thanks for your letter. Here's one that looks very spicy. Catherine, I'm hoping for some advice. Re, my mom's not-so-secret boyfriend. My parents are recently divorced. They told us in February, and my siblings and I were stuck in the house over lockdown. My mom finally relocated, and it's obviously been quite an emotional time and difficult for me. Oh, I'm sorry. She's, okay. I stayed at my mom's for a month, and now I'm back at my dad's. My mom recently told me she's going on holiday with a friend. That's all the info she's given me, and it's clear this is a romantic partner. She wouldn't tell me anything about who he was or how she met him. I told her I was upset she hadn't told me earlier because going away with someone seems like it would be serious. So I got nosy, and I found a guy who likes all her Instagram pics. I've worked out that he's been to see her at her new house many times. And they've been away in the UK together already in July. The photos are not of them together, but it's very obvious with photos of the same place and comments like passion and new beginnings. Why do people think they can hide something from a woman, especially a young woman? We are born with a CIA ability of detective work, piecing things together, especially with social media. What are you doing, mom? Trying to keep a secret from this young woman. You are probably not in the age group that understands social media in the first place. Certainly this man is not. And they just don't get it. And kids are smart. I don't know how old she is, but she's smart. Also, my mom comes to stay at the family home, my dad's. What? Okay, so your dad remained in the family home and your mom's the one who got a new place. I understand. So mom comes to stay in the family home with dad and you and the siblings to commute to her job three days a week. 
about two weeks ago, she went out with her friends and she didn't come home until the next morning. Presumably she was with this guy, but she told us she stayed with her friends. In these post-COVID times, no less. I feel really sorry for my dad. It's so difficult for him to be in such close proximity to all of this. I want my mom to be happy. It's fine that she wants to date people, but I just feel really hurt and betrayed that she's lied to me for months about what she's been doing and posting on Instagram for the world to see. How can I bring this up with her? Oh, my goodness. Well, your mom definitely is dickmatized by this new relationship and she's not thinking straight because of course when she stays out all night and then comes back to stay in the family home in the morning like everyone's gonna know what's going on she's acting like a child and your dad is the parent and I feel sorry for her because maybe she felt stifled in the relationship and a lot of times when people break free finally they act out and they act a lot more childlike than you would expect from a parent. I think you confront your mother with an adult level of communication because she's disrespecting you and treating you, yeah, like you're stupid. She doesn't mean to. I'm sure she doesn't think you're stupid. But I would just confront her, not, you know, when she's strolling in at 7 a.m., but any time that you guys are alone in the car or something. Sometimes it's easier for people to speak when they're doing something else, like walking or driving, and just be like, Mom... I know that you're seeing someone and it's fine with me, but it's a little bit foolish to see you sneaking around and telling us lies. I feel disrespected by these lies and I would hope that you would expect different behavior from me when I start seeing someone. I won't lie to you and I won't run around like a teenager and hopefully your mom will have no choice but to tell you the truth. I wouldn't worry about, you know, the details, the proof of the Instagrams or specific nights. I would just be like, come on. Don't treat me like an idiot. I know. And then your dad is just going to have to get over it too because they're divorced now. I'm sure he's going to start seeing someone at some point, but oh, maybe she needs to not stay at the family home. I think a lot of people, they divorce and then they go, oh yeah, but we'll still be friends. And then, no, 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 no. You kind of need a clean break for a while. And lastly, as a mother, I am very sorry that your parent is acting like your teenager right now and not like your mom. I think there comes a point where we have to accept that our parents are human and they're fallible and they will make some wrong moves. And maybe it's good to set boundaries with your mom too. Like I think you don't want all the information. You don't want her feeling like, oh, my daughter knows now and she wants me to be honest with her. So I'm going to tell her all the ins and out of the passionate weekend in the Cotswolds that we shared. You don't want to know the details. So just be like, I don't want to know everything, but please don't treat me like I'm stupid. And I promise your mom does not think you're stupid. She's just thinking of herself and maybe trying to spare you because she doesn't want to introduce you to three guys. She wants to make sure this one's important enough to talk about. Maybe. It's not right to read other people's minds, but maybe. I promise happier times are around the corner and I hope your dad's okay too. Bye. Here's another one. Catherine, I'm a trans woman. I usually date cis men. Well, I try to, but most of them back off when they find out I'm trans or they sexualize me to a staggering, disgusting point or think it's a compliment to say I look just like, like being the operative word, a woman. You're beautiful, but I'm not gay, etc. 
I'm a strong, independent woman. I don't need a man. I have a degree from a top uni. I have fabulous and supportive family and friends, but I would like to at least have dates like other people get the opportunity to have. I've kind of given up on dating at this point. I'm drained at 22, a baby, but I've seen too many pricks. Well, welcome. That's how you know someone's a woman. If there's ever a question, are trans women women? Yes, they are. And look how sick they are of men. Oh, the men are sexualizing you to a staggering, disgusting point. Yeah. Welcome to cis hetero men. <laughs> I love the idea that you're independent, you have fabulous friends and family, and you have this degree. I would say every 22-year-old woman should focus first and foremost on herself. Because as you have seen from a lot of the letters that I receive, the boys especially seem like they need a little more time to grow up. And they're not really sure how to treat us yet. And I'm so sorry that you're having this trouble. But I would say, I don't, you don't specify whether you live in a small village or a big city. But I found when I felt like an outsider in my small town, that I just had to be patient and trust that it gets better and that I would find my tribe. Again, I grew up like cis, hetero, white, very privileged. Everyone in my town looked and acted the exact same way. But I did feel like I hadn't found my people yet. I hadn't found my tribe and I was kind of spinning my wheels. So I think the city is calling you, pulling you. And online communities, dangerous as they may be, if you're vigilant, you can meet some incredible friends and people on there too. And don't be in a rush to date when you're 22. I totally appreciate that you have an added layer of complexity that I have not had to experience in my own life. But maybe sometimes the things that seem like barriers to us are our greatest tools. Me being funny and weird, what I felt was a barrier. I wanted to be like the other girls. I wanted to be simple and sweet. And I didn't want to say things that people found inflammatory. And it turned out the way that I am is what gave me an incredible life. And so maybe these barriers to dating 22-year-old boys are protecting you from 22-year-old boys <laughs> because I wouldn't want to date them. They'll grow up and that's when they're worth your time. Just time for one more and it is a doozy. Catherine, the story you told about being targeted over the phone by a creep who wanted photos of you really struck a chord. I'm only 23, but when I was 21, I was, unbeknownst at the time, the target of something similar. My mental health was not the strongest, and one day I received a message on Instagram from a modeling agency saying that my photos were so beautiful that they were interested in hiring me for some photo shoots. I'd fairly recently cut my hair really short, and I was stupid enough to believe that a modeling agency would be interested in hiring me. Oh, I exchanged pleasantries with the person running the account, and before long we'd set up a Skype interview. When it came time, the man holding the interview did not have his camera on, but he had a fairly soft, Irish accent. We chatted a little to begin with about ourselves, and then he asked me to throw out some poses. I was happy to do this, as he assured me he was a gay man. Bit by bit, he started asking more of me. I was happy to oblige and trying on different outfits that I considered fun, sexy, or party wear, or modeling outfits, as I was instructed to do. For the next part, he asked if I was comfortable doing underwear shots. Having watched America's Next Top Model growing up, I knew that if you wanted to make it, you had to do the underwear shoots. So I said yes. <gasps> oh, that was such a damaging part. And I mean, it is true of the modeling agency. And I know some modeling agencies, most modeling agencies are really above the line. But you know what? There's a lot of terrible trafficking that goes on as well. 
Think about it. Models are like 13, 14, traveling the world without their parents, staying God knows where in like houses with other models. Why do you think Epstein was involved? It's all quite a racket, let me tell you. And America's Next Top Model, I loved the show as well. But yeah, there was totally a storyline like, oh, well, Robin, you have to do the underwear shoots. Forget about Jesus and your morals. You know, you have to take your clothes off if you want to be a model. We would never do that. Well, today, maybe they do still in modeling agencies. I don't know. I quit modeling months ago. All right, back to you. He asked for zoomed in areas of my breasts, stomach, legs, and pubic area to make sure I'd be compatible with the agency. I was getting more and more uncomfortable as time went on and my clothes came off, but I was still happy to carry on as it was for a quote unquote 5,000 pound deal that many other girls wanted. There came a point when he asked if I had any sex toys. I mean, I was depressed. I was not depraved. But when I found my vibrator, he asked me to pose as if I was pleasuring myself. When he told me to show my private areas fully to the camera using my toys, I said no. He was very quick to remind me that he was gay. (laughs) Oh my God. And that I would be throwing away a huge opportunity if I ended the call. I ended the call anyway. Good for you. Turns out... That wasn't the official page of the model agency, and I could not contact the page after this quote-unquote interview. As soon as the call had finished, I realized what I had done, and I felt sick. I started crying straight away. I rang my boyfriend, who came right over to my house. I told him most of what had happened, and he immediately called the police. I didn't think there was any need to at the time, but looking back, it was the right thing to do. Oh, yeah, you know... These criminals, and that's what they are, they, they cast a big net and they ask, I don't know, a hundred, a thousand women. And statistically, there will be some women among that number who are feeling low, feeling sad, or who believe the opportunity. And that's not a reflection on you. I hate that you're like, I realized what I had done. You didn't do anything. These people are very good at manipulating and they do it a lot. And you can't. You can't feel guilty. If you'd been mugged in the street, would you feel guilty then? Maybe. You'd be like, oh, I should have looked around. No. When crime happens to you, you are not a participant. You might feel foolish. That's part of the game. That's part of the design. Right away when you started speaking, you're like, why would I think they wanted me? Because I had short hair. So, I mean, self-esteem holes are what they're looking for. And they find you. And it's not your fault. Side note. The police actually ended up not doing anything because what I had done was completely consensual. (laughs) These freaking sexual crooks are still out there. Do you think that I'm stupid? No, I was preyed upon by an inflatophiliac. You are not stupid. We were all young and just looking for an opportunity at one time. And that is what they do. So don't feel bad. You're helping people today because people will listen to this podcast and they'll know what to watch out for. And maybe this criminal type person will be less likely to find someone else in a dark place. That's what we're doing all the time. I'm telling everybody everything. We're trying to lift you up, put you in a powerful place, make sure you're not vulnerable to these sleazy scams and to make sure you feel good about yourself. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all your letters. I'll see you next week.
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.